Hello, everyone. Uh, a very good evening from India. Uh, it would be various time wherever you are accessing. We have about people in uh, attendees from 15 countries. Uh, we'll just wait for a few minutes more for everybody to come in before we uh, start the session. Thanks a lot. A uh, very warm welcome from myself and uh, Pranav. So just give us a few minutes before we start the session. Thank you. Yeah, so, uh, sustainable finance, evolve in sustainable finance and circular economy. Now, when we talk about circular economy, we try to understand that how the, these two are related. You know, sustainable finance is a huge enabler for a lot of topics within the uh, circular economy. So to, to begin, let me introduce you to uh, Pranav Khanna. Uh, Pranav Khanna is going to be taking you through uh, part of the presentation. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, please take over. Thank you. Uh, I hope everybody can uh, hear me. Uh, I would just request uh, people to just uh, quickly jot down a high in the chat if they are able to hear me loud and clear. Awesome. Thanks a lot. I see uh, Shaurya, I see Gaurav out there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for confirming that. Uh, please just allow me to share my screen with you. Thank you. Awesome. So welcome guys, uh, firstly, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us uh, on this uh, evening of the 24th uh, of, uh, I'm coming to you from Mumbai and uh, the audience I believe is from across multiple nations. So I welcome you all to be part of this uh, conversation around uh, circular economy. I'm just gonna give you a little background about myself. My name is Pranav Khanna, that's uh, me out there, uh, the bald guy. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. Please feel free to drop me a note, drop me a mail at pranavadaratemakecircular.com. Uh, share your thoughts, comments, questions, or anything that you might want to uh, know. Please feel to drop, feel free to drop me a line, and I'm happy to respond to you. Uh, I have uh, just a quick couple of uh, points about myself. I have a background in garment manufacturing uh, and exports, uh, running my family business for about two decades. Uh, about six years back, I got involved with the whole sustainable fashion uh, paradigm. Uh, I ended up doing a module at MIT uh, around sustainability. Uh, back in India, I launched a label, again, focused on exports uh, called uh, Fryorden. It's a GOTS uh, certified uh, organic cotton women's wear label. Uh, as part of my journey in establishing a brand, I became involved with the startup ecosystem here in Mumbai. Uh, ended up uh, leading a couple of chapters of uh, some uh, startup programs. Uh, I eventually ended up uh, running my own accelerator, uh, which I do to date, uh, called Ideas That Scale, where we work with businesses in the early stage. Uh, that includes a couple of businesses in the sustainable fashion space. Uh, uh, my in-depth sort of, uh, you know, deep dive, into circular economy began about uh, one and a half, two years back when I was part of the uh, team of uh, Circular Apparel Innovation Factory. Uh, and this is uh, an association backed by the Dune Foundation, working towards establishing conversations around circular fashion uh, in India. Uh, so I was part of that initial team doing the spade work. Uh, we uh, worked with a couple of very interesting projects, including the Circular Design Challenge at the Lakme Fashion Week. We work towards bringing uh, fashion for good uh, for soft landing here in India. Uh, I'm also currently part of the mentor panel at Fashion for Good uh, Asia. Uh, I'm also currently strategic advisor to HXN uh, Argentina, which is uh, wherein we are again 
building a platform for uh, uh, disseminating information around circular fashion uh, in Latin America. Uh, I'm also a contributor to the UNEC project, enhancing transparency and traceability of sustainable uh, value chains in the textile and the leather space. So that's a, a little note about myself. Uh, thank you for your patience. Why I walked you through all of that. Uh, I'm going to be with you for about 30 minutes. I'm going to be speaking for about a total of 20 minutes, uh, talking to you about a beginner's guide to circular economy. And then there's going to be a 10 minute Q&A. I welcome questions in the question box and we look forward to answer each and every one of them. Uh, feel free to also drop me notes at my Twitter or my email ID. Uh, my colleague will put together the questions and we can answer them at the end. Uh, before I get into the whole, uh, you know, spiel about what is uh, the circular economy, a circular fashion perspective, can I quickly ask you guys to write down in the chat box, what's your profile like? Uh, and this would be very helpful for us at a later stage uh, to again, uh, you know, tailor our content appropriately to the audience in terms of whether you're a designer, whether you're a manufacturer, a fabric guy, whether you're somebody in the sustainable fashion space, whether you are a machinery manufacturer, whether you're an evangelist, if you can just quickly write down in the chat box, that will be a big help. I will just wait for a couple of seconds while you do that. Awesome, thank you so much. Uh, let me again begin by this slide. Uh, social distancing, this has become something of a norm. Uh, although this is a very cold slide, so to speak, but I extend a very warm welcome to all of your participants. Firstly, I acknowledge the situation that we are all in, this pandemic, and I wish everybody good health. Uh, we will overcome this. We will get through this. I thank each one of you for the time that you have taken today to be part of this conversation, and I look forward to your perspective today. Before we go on again, I just want to acknowledge also the fact that this is the best time. This is the best time to upskill, to strategize, uh, to reset. Because in the short term, we are in for a lot of pain. There's going to be order cancellations. There's going to be job losses. There's going to be factory closures. This is a reset. Uh, the next few months uh, will is when you will decide your reaction to this entire crisis. Uh, you could be a complete reactionary, you know, like most of us who will just essentially respond to a situation that develops around us. Or as we are doing currently, you know, we could be actually proactive we could be evaluating a new paradigm like the circular economy uh, where we are actually evaluating a positive change where we are actually looking to leverage a crisis so that's why i really want to put it out there never waste a good crisis it's too valuable as a quick poll again i want i want you to select one of these two pictures you know one picture represents uh, the family and the other picture represents money so if you can just quickly Type down your answers uh, in the poll on your screen. That will be really nice. I will just wait for a second. So type A for family, type B for money. So the answer, as one would expect, uh, the answers are overwhelmingly family. And let me tell you that these are the same choices that are driving circular economy. And it's not just individuals, it's not just individuals who are making these choices. It is, in fact, the brands themselves also who are making these choices to put humanity, that is the families, ahead of profits. In it, it may not appear so, but in fact, the industry is changing and there's immense value in going circular, as you will learn along with me. Before we again 
sort of you know this is another little perspective that i want to address these these little nagging doubts that most of us have when we're talking about circular economy you know at the back of our head we always have this little skepticism uh, you know because even for a moment if you if you consider you know at a personal level nobody can question the benefits of a cleaner environment at a market level transparency traceability supply chain efficiency better business models they all make a lot of sense even at the statutory levels you know at at the macro there are the obvious macro benefits for the economy when you have a circular economy but really speaking you know don't we all so many times just ask ourselves is this really just a fad is it what greenwashing can it be really a competitive advantage will it really cost a lot maybe it's just another standard you know or is it a non tariff barrier so these are some of the questions you know that that could be playing around in your mind and you could be really thinking you know should i really spend time effort money in really going down this road so i just want to share a little secret here with you and uh, this is essentially you know one of the big reasons why you should be really considering uh, being part of circular economy because i think it's a circular economy is a very small price to pay for being part of a network so once you are part of a trusted transparent circular supply chain optimized for efficiencies then think about this each one of the members is really locked in to a large extent so let me sort of you know give you how this really plays out so consider the current situation in the apparel industry you know we've had this huge fear factor currently going around that there is going to be a lot of cancellation a lot of job losses a lot of pain in the market and that's true frankly but look at the side you know if you and you know if you are usually uh, for an h&m supplier you would be really sort of you know saying that h&m is a very tight customer they 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 drive a really hard bargain but today when h&m has promised their suppliers they have promised their supply chain that they will pay for all the goods that are already there in the pipeline they will not cancel i mean think of the benefits think of the fact that you have continuity of business so i think that's one of the secrets of a circular economy once you're part of that supply chain a circular supply chain uh, continuity of business is a huge huge benefit a huge huge advantage so with that in mind let me sort of just quickly take you to you know what is circular economy so before you sort of think about you know you draw a circle in your mind i want you to think about i want you thinking about you know what's currently the state of the economy and if you think about it it's a linear model you know we take some things from the environment or we dig them up from the earth we make some things out of them we use them and then we discard them we throw them away and they go to landfill so that's what we really call a linear economy but think about nature now you know in nature nothing really goes to waste now if we were to align our economy like that you know if we were to align our manufacturing like that if we were to align all the businesses like that where nothing really went to waste so in that scenario think of that scenario that's what a circular economy is and it's very frankly it's it's as simple as that you know to get the concept it's where nothing goes to waste so let me give you an example right and i'm going to take some examples from the fashion space think about this you know this particular jacket or this particular very expensive dress that you own how many times have you really worn it you know and you really think you know there's a lot of value that's locked up in that garment now think of a situation where you could really borrow it in a sharing economy you could rent it you could lease it you could lend it out you know it could it could make you some money so think about all of those things that could happen when the business model slightly changed to represent to really reflect a circular model or think of a situation where you could exchange it you know once you sort of outgrew it 
if you could exchange it to the retailer for points so then the question is you know what would the retailer do with it think of a situation where the retailer could return it to the manufacturer well you could ask me you know what would the manufacturer do with it so think of a situation where the manufacturer could actually separate the various components and create a new product out of it that's exactly what circular economy is where even if you have these cycles going back towards each earlier person in the supply chain or right at the beginning of the supply chain nothing goes to waste it's all used again so a circular economy and if i were to give you a little formal sort of note about it a circular economy aims to redefine growth focusing on the positive society wide benefits it entails a gradual decoupling of the economic activity from the finite consumption of the resources you know of the resources that we have and designing the waste out of the system so underpinned by a transition to renewable uh, uh, energy renewable again circular energy the circular model builds economic natural and social capital and it's primarily based on three principles so what are these three basic circular economy principles let's take them one by one the first one is what we call design out waste so the question would be you know why would somebody have waste so waste frankly speaking and pollution is a design problem and a lot of times if you design it carefully you can actually design out waste you can actually design out pollution how do how would one do that again i'm going to sort of take a very basic uh, garment example so if i were to ensure that the garment that i make has no leftover fabric then i'm designing out the waste think of a situation you know when we are creating new products if all the input materials that we use ensure that there is no pollution during the life cycle of that particular product then we are actually designing out pollution so that sort of you know one of the biggest principles one of one of the caveats or one of the pillars of this new circular economy we want to design out the waste we want to design out the pollution what's the next one the next one is even simpler keep products and materials in use by that we mean we refer to you know let's not have this whole angle this whole story about you know make use throw let's try and ensure that we use the products and the materials for as long as possible and we ensure that there is the possibility to repair materials we ensure that there is the possibility to upcycle and recycle materials and that's again related to the design aspect but it's also related if you think about it to customer behavior it's also related to the whole business models that are there in use it's also related to the fact that you want to ensure that fashion is not so cheap that you can just throw it away you want to make sure there is enough value in there for the cycle to keep going so that's what we mean by the second principle which is keep products and materials in use for as long as possible and then we have the third one which is regenerate natural systems now i want you to quickly think about you know our natural world think about water you know all the water that is there in the world that's already existed for billions of years we have not really created any new water and that's the same water is what is nature is constantly recycling it through our various systems right so what what do we do as humans we end up creating hurdles in that natural process so the third principle essentially is regenerate these natural systems an example i could give you here is about the new plastics that are coming about the phas which are biodegradable i could talk to you about you know fabrics which don't really get thrown into landfill and then they can be converted back to cellulose so that fresh uh, filaments fresh yarns can be drawn out from the same raw materials so think of think of all of those 
regenerating natural systems for your raw materials, for your minerals, for your cellulose, for your nutrients. So this essentially is the third principle. So in, in a nutshell, if I were to give you these, and I'm just going to quickly walk you through this again, the three circular economy principles that I really want you to have in mind. Number one, design out waste and pollution. Understand, this is a mindset change. You want to ensure that everything you do going forward always has this ensuring designing out waste and pollution. Number two, keep products and materials in use for as long as possible. And number three, regenerate natural systems. Now, what I've given you out here is a very 30,000 view of it. And obviously, you know, when you get into more details, when you apply it to every system, when you apply it particularly to your business, there are caveats and there are, you know, the sort of, trade-offs that one has to consider. I completely agree. They're all there. But if the intent is there, I'm sure, you know, we can find solutions. We can find ways to uphold these three principles. Let me quickly give you uh, an example of a textile recycling uh, at a glance. So if you if you look at the uh, diagram here on the screen, you'll see that this is the entire chain. This is the entire supply chain or the life cycle of garments where you have raw materials, you have production processes, retailers, users, <coughs> collection, sorting, separation, and then you have recycling. What you do not have out here essentially is landfills, you know. So a very small part, if required, has to go to disposal. Otherwise, most of the times, it's either compostable garments, which are biodegradable, another, uh, or they are sent, if you look at the right-hand side, they are sent for recycling through shredding or, again, breaking them down to the constituent parts. What I want to bring your notice out here is to have a look at all of these smaller loops. So, for example, between the retailer and the user, you'll see there are smaller loops in terms of going from within the user. So think of a business model, which is of uh, renting. So within multiple users, you could have the products going around. Think of, you know, the users retail, returning back to the retailer. That could be a, a leasing model or again, a rental model. You know, think of uh, the separation bit, you know, where there is the garments which are being sent back to the production processes. Think of pre-consumer waste. So as you'd see, there can be multiple smaller loops within the life cycle of a particular garment. And similar such diagrams, similar such flows would be reflected in your production processes, in your businesses. Now, those businesses can be service businesses. Those businesses can be manufacturing businesses. The idea, the intent here is to have circularity built into the process. But then why am I talking all of this to you? You know, frankly, all of this is good to have. You know, you think, you know what, it's it's a, it's an evening or it's a day today. You know, let me just spend some time looking at what this new language is all about. But frankly speaking, that's not it. There's a huge opportunity that's really coming up. You know, because of all of the situation in terms of the COVID-19, governments across the world are looking to kickstart new uh initiatives around pushing businesses around creating demand so there's this huge new opportunity that's going to come in so what are these opportunities that i really want to talk to you about the opportunities in the circular economy space can be around new materials you know materials that earlier you never considered to use in your business today for example in fashion we can literally grow fabric it could be new methods of business and production you know you could you are uh, today fashion is looking to design modular Fashion is looking to design recyclable. The same could apply to your business. It could be business models which are like leasing or rental or buybacks, customer behavior models, which which uh, which sort of kickstart this whole thought process of not just locking in your customer in a circular cycle with you, 
but in fact ensuring that they return the garments once they've outlived their use back to you so as to ensure that you can take care of those garments either dispose them or recycle them back into the supply chain appropriately and then lastly of course i do want to mention new recycling methods so now a lot of these new recycling technologies that are coming in what they end up doing is ensuring that the materials do not go to landfill but in fact are broken down to form part of the raw supply chain again so all of those are opportunities and i encourage you to spend some time studying what's happening in your space around circular economy i encourage you to look at what the governments are looking to spend money on in the next couple of months as they look to kickstart economies as an example i want to leave you with the european green deal now there is a, a huge amount of noise around a green recovery in europe so the the european green deal was is legislation that was already started up before covid 19 hit but european governments i mean the governments across europe are looking to ensure that all the the, the stimulus that they give to kickstart the economies is they want to ensure that it is along a green recovery so i mean imagine the amount of money imagine the amount of new initiatives that we're talking about so for sure please look it up please look up your corner of the world please look up your corner of the business uh, landscape to see what's happening in the whole circular economy stimulus space and then as i come to the close of sort of my presentation i want to give you about 10 concrete tools i want to give you something that you want to you know the way you want to go about doing your own circular economy journey so the first obviously is some education resources and these are things you know you can reach out to me i'm happy to share specifically to fashion and i'm happy to help you find specifically to your business you know because we are all learning together in this particular journey so you want to look at education resources you want to look at you know places where you don't want to obviously spend time reading reports but you want to get the language of circular economy in your niche you definitely want to do that you want to look at some case studies as to how people have really leveraged circular economy and believe me there are already some very good examples out there in the market for you to study so how are others doing it then you want to measure circular economy in your own business because without a base level you really can't move the needle so i i urge you to look at models which help you do that for your business then i want you to translate your business into a circular business model canvas to understand what are the opportunities there to leverage in the whole circular economy space for your business now when you're doing all of that i'm sure you want to connect to you know other people who are looking at this space so i encourage you to look at events that are happening in circular economy for your end of the uh, sort of domain again i can i can connect you to some india specific organizations if you are from across the world look up organizations specific to your country specific to your chambers of commerce look up industry leaders you know what are they talking about what are they looking at because if these new government stimulus packages are coming for sure industry leaders are at the forefront shaping those packages and talking about them and then lastly i leave you with you know if you really want to become an expert in this you can go out, go after educational videos or books or even online courses and i can tell you there are a lot of online courses currently available for free to really bring your knowledge about circular economy to speed so i would encourage you to go look that up and that's where i sort of come to the end of my presentation i'm going to stop sharing now i'm going to look out all the questions that you may have for me uh, one last uh, request would be that please tweet on circular economy with the hashtag in case you're from india with the hashtag india one circular or if you want to look up uh, you know your country please add your country one circular out there i would love that for sure thank you so much for your patience and i am here for the questions now
Awesome. Hi Pranab, thanks a lot. So yeah. we're looking for questions. Uh, you know, you have the chat box. You could, you could uh, please, uh, you know, ask any doubts which you have, and then post that. We'll have the session on sustainable finance. But uh, we are looking forward to your questions. In the meantime, uh, or uh, it might be an idea, Nishan, since I've already sort of taken quite a bit of the time that we planned. I would request you start, and if the questions come in, then we can take them. Assuming you know, uh, at the at the later part, at the end also, I would suggest you start. Yeah. Okay. So thanks, thanks, Pranav, for sharing a fantastic view about uh, you know circular economy. Now, before I start on sustainable finance, I would really like to ask how many of you understand what sustainable finance means. Just raise your hand, and that will be a you know great start. About myself, we'll be talking about evolving sustainable finance. Uh, my name is Nishant Malhotra, and I'm the founder of Middle Road Private Limited. It's a for-profit social entrepreneurship uh, company enabling in social change and impact in the development sector. I also have a platform, The Middle Road, themiddleroad.org, an online media and e-publication arm, an edtech which has an edtech section, and a recently launched social consulting and uh, advisory uh, uh, practice. Now, I have a master's in public administration from University of Michigan and Arbor. And I have a couple of MBAs. I went to China Europe International Business School, uh, Shanghai, China, and Sebastian Institute of Business Management. I worked in India and abroad for eight years, predominantly in the financial sector. Now, before I you know, uh, go in depth, I just want to share that I have a platform. I also have, these are my Twitter handles. You could look at the millroad.org. So I just wanted to give a, a bit of a, you know, a different twist to it is going to be a bit of in-depth. I'm going to be today talking more about sustainable bonds, a sort of segment within sustainable finance. And then we'll have a Q&A session of 10 minutes. So we look at, we, we have the ongoing pandemic, you know, which has disrupted the every, everything around the world. But we don't know is that how sustainable finance is helping fight the pandemic. So recently, uh, actually this month, we had a uh, the issue of a sustainability awareness fund from European Investment Bank, which was about 3 billion uh, corona, uh, the Swedish corona. Then we had uh, African Development Bank come out with a social bond for $3 billion. We had a World Bank, which came out with one of the biggest issues in sustainable development bond, which is above $8 billion. So in order to understand sustainable finance, let's try to understand what we mean by sustainable finance. Now, sustainable finance, according to IMF, is incorporation of environmental, social, and governance principles into the business sessions, economic development, and investment strategies. So in order to understand what ESG is, let's understand what ESG means. Environment, when, whenever I'm talking about environment, we're talking about climate change, we're talking about climate mitigation, we're talking about climate adoption. But it's by far much more as we look at, and we talked about circular, finance, uh, circular economy. Now, sustainable finance is one of the biggest enablers of circular economy, which is, we'll see how they both are related. One is, of course, through waste management and transportation. Now, that is another part of environmental space. For example, to give you green buildings are becoming one of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, themes right now in the world, clean tech. So that's a part of environment, environmental good. Social, social theme is basically those themes which, goes to the underserved markets to marginalized communities. It basically directly affects the civic societies, 
to give an example of a social anything which related with social one of the examples will be afford affordable healthcare and housing inclusion so these are the themes when we are talking about when we will talk about social governance which is the third most important field the governance talks to about corporate governance and corporate behavior to give an example it could be regulatory management accounting practice data privacy laws so these are some of the governance issues now over a period of time uh, the east esg now we see as we call and whenever we are talking about sustainable finance it also means esg when you are talking about or sustainable investing it's become a huge space it's become mainstream now some of the things when we talk about uh, sustainable finance and how it became mainstream why is it we want to give it importance first of all sustainable finance or development is becoming mainstream invest not only in investing space but it's also become one of the biggest tools for sustainable development sector now if you look at and i'm sure a lot of people are aware of the 17 goals of united nations sustainable development goals social uh, uh, sustainable finance is going to become a big tool in order to close the gap of 3 to 5 trillion dollars which you need every year if you are going to uh, uh, achieve those goals by 2030 years as a matter of fact in 1989 there was an oil spill which started a major uh, you know moment in the form of crease with uh, enabling of uh, environmental finance in 19 which became a big moment and that forward looking moment brought in lot of other enablers now one of the biggest enablers in 1990 was the launch of uh, domini uh, 400 social index this was about 400 uh, uh, private uh, companies which are in the sustainable space which had policies which are governing in the sustainable space this is the first time we had a index which was launched and that was a huge boost in 1999 uh, there's a launch of dow jones sustainability indices in between there were other lot of enablers one of the major enablers then happened in 2005 when who case wins uh, was started it was a, a multi collateral moment which started by un uh, global compact with ifc which is arm of uh, world bank and swiss pension funds there was a lot of institutional need which is happening specifically from the europe at that point of time to look at companies or look at themes which are in the sustainable sector and that is what who case wins created a moment which then ultimately went to un principles of responsible investment there was misspelled so i have you know corrected it down which laid the six very strong principles which today more than about 2000 companies follow and this itself started a moment of putting a lot of investments into the sustainable sector now in 2007 one of the green the first green bond was launched by a uh, european investment bank which is one of the largest multilateral banks in the world it was followed up then by two in 2008 uh, by a uh, by a green bond by the world bank so these are the key critical enablers which started moving in 2015 was a very important year not only it brought uh, the first uh, paris uh, moment towards uh, climate finance action it also was the launch of un sustainable goals so un sustainable the 17 goals which are very important clear cut targeted replace the millennium development goals which were before so it brought in a much more broader sector of sustainable sector within the purview of uh, development management which which became a clear cut target so we were we had clear cut targets in how we are going to go across the 16 goals the 17 goal was of course private uh, private partnership in order to attract more capital to uh, private uh, to to the development sector we came out with a 17th enabler in 2015 another critical thing happened it was addis ababa agreement 
Now, Edisababa Agreement uh, was actually a big social enabler in the sense it brought in a lot of public finance, private finance, and public finance cooperation into the development sector. It gave a major thrust to multi-development banks. During this time, also there was a formation of New Development Bank, which is a major multi-development bank in a few emerging markets. But this is the first time you know there was a global consensus on how you would be you know you will be crowding in how private investments private investors would be crowded into the development sector now a lot of other key issues followed but why i've kept technical expert group as a part in 2018 is because this is the time eu went and came out with different uh, you know came out with a clear agenda of how to go after uh, how to you know collaborate and have a framework for uh, uh, green finance but it also you know came out with guidelines for sustainable activities and that is one one of the sustainable activities which wanted to go in was a circular economy so some of the biggest players in europe including european union you know got in together and uh, there was a consensus to you know uh, go with a clear cut agenda in terms of sustainable sector now we'll come out to a, a slide where we talk about the instruments and strategies on sustainable finance so i've taken three asset classes we know there are three asset classes in uh, when we are talking about investment space one is equities the other is fixed income fixed income i could be deposits bonds and alternative investments now when we talk about equities we saw a lot of equity movements in mutual funds and etfs etfs are exchange traded funds <clears throat> they are very uh, similar to index funds except that they are traded they have a very low expense ratio and you can buy and sell rather than buying a net asset value of a mutual fund so these are the funds which came into sustainable finance then you had fixed income markets fixed income markets became what is very famous uh, very prominent was in sustainable bonds then you have green and sustainable linked loans you had securitization when you are talking about securitization it's more on green securitization although other bonds uh, also got securitized <clears throat> this is abridden uh, fanny may because it's the largest uh, 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 underwriter for securitization of green bonds it's uh, uh, backed by the us government we talked about offshore bonds so when we are talking about here we'll be in depth looking at sustainable bonds we'll go to the next slide we'll try to understand we'll first see how you know the strategies evolved in esg and then we'll go to the sustainable bonds but this is just to give you an idea offshore bonds is like a masala bond or a dimson bond or a bulldog bond is like when you go to a uh, uh, you can you know it's been used by an indian government a lot of governments abroad you, if you want to raise uh, an inr you could go to london stock exchange which is the first time where it was listed and you can raise capital in terms of uh, uh, in, in inr right and now the next was uh, etfs mutual fund indices now i've also sort of made some categories like because uh, project based revenue based bonds are a part of different green bonds and venture funding venture funding is a very uh, new idea it's pro been prominent in the us but it's basically sustaining startups so i've categorized it under fixed income markets now when we go to i've actually made social impact bonds and development impact bonds under alternative in instruments a lot of people could put under equity and fixed income the reason why i put it is because uh, inherent value that it's based on uh, pay for success so it depends on what sort of idea you, or what sort of view you take on a bond and green read so we'll not go in depth this is just to give you a categorization of how bonds are categorized 
Now, these are some of the selected champions. <clears throat> these are the you know, organizations, non-profits who went on from the world or su supranational like you know, UN or multi-development banks like World Bank. There are n number of things, uh, Global Compact Investment Network, Global Steering Group for Impact Investment. So there are a lot of uh, you know, champions which are today responsible from what is happening in the sustainable development space. So these are some of them. So let's let's look at how the ESG market has evolved. Now, when we look at the ESG market today, it, for 2018 figure, and this is from GSI, one of the major enablers uh, for uh, space, is uh, that's risen to 30.7. Now, this also includes a lot of companies which have greenwashing, which might not be doing a lot of work in the sustainable sector. But to give you a fair idea, the jump has been humongous. Now, when we look at some of the top five regions. We look at Euro as a region to be the leader, uh, back, uh, followed by US, Japan, Canada, and uh, Australia and New Zealand. So these are some of the top sectors when we are looking at ESG market. Now, when we look at Japan, Japan has been an all, all right champion in the last two years. Uh, one of the main reasons is because the J J Japanese pension fund, you know, came uh, in 2015 and 2016. There are two different funds, which is Government Pension Investment Fund and Pension Fund Association. They came and they took UNPRI practices. So they became a big proponent of sustainable finance. And that also drove a huge segment around the world. So, you know, in the last two years, Japan took a lot of initiatives to come out with ESG themes. So... And Japan is uh, Japan Pension Fund is the largest institutional investor in the world. So just to give you an idea, they you know it was a huge uh, boost to the ESG market. So when we look at uh, global strategies now, in order to tell you how the ESG market is uh, you know evolved, it came from social investing, and social investing has been there for a very long period of time. You know it's been there for the last hundred years, where it had negative screening wherein you will not go into certain sectors like gambling, casino, you know, smoking. These are certain sectors you will screen out. But that was more of a passive investment. Now it has become a very active investment. So there are a lot of different strategies with employ. And this graph gives you a fair idea. We look at impact or community building, which is one of the lowest segments uh, in terms of assets under management. But uh, that's also fast rising. We look at sustainability, which has risen over the last two years as one of the uh, as the one of the highest uh, at ninety two percent, and its sustainable themes are now becoming a very good, you know, fast rising themes. Then you have positive and best in class. This is a very active form of uh, management. Now, in uh, positive uh, and best in class strategy management, where you can see exactly which companies are performing the best in those categories. The others is norms based. Norms based is basically to screening out companies which have the minimum uh, eligibility guidelines. These guidelines could be given by United Nations. It could be given by uh, international uh, labor organization or uh, UNICEF. So this is known as to you know map your practices. This is actually by far more prominent in uh, Europe. The other is a corporate uh, engagement and shareholder. It is just very popular in Japan, which is also fast rising. Then the other, the fast rising is ESG integration. That is how you're integrating the ESG values into your uh, financials. So this takes a very long-term view. And this is one of the uh, fastest rising themes. Now, this is a very important theme also in the United States of America, as a matter of fact, in Northern America and Australia. So these are uh, very big themes which you look at. Now, we come to the other graph. We look at uh, global sustainable investing asset uh, allocation 2018. 
Now in this, we looked that by 2018, and things would have changed by now because the bond market is going much bigger. The the public equity market is still 51, is 51% dominated. Next is fixed income market. Then come uh, real estate. Real estate, when I was talking about, was also REITs. It's you know uh, one way of going to real estate market. PE or venture cap was what I was talking about, impact investment. So impact investment is what we talked about, is one way of directly addressing the underserved market, and that is through the PT VC route. And other, other includes infrastructure, hedge funds. So these are other part of sector which you know go into the sector. So now we come to sustainable bonds. We talked a lot about sustainable bonds. We talked a lot about green finance. But what does it mean? So sustainable bonds are different bonds. One is a green bond, which is before the largest uh, among the whole segment. The other is a blue bond, which is an offshoot of green bond for a marine ecosystem. Then there's a social bond. And there is a sustainability in SGD bonds. So we saw all those types of different bonds which had come out. Now we will go in depth and uh, financial market securities like uh, fixed income securities, bonds or loans. They're listed on stock exchanges, which is London Stock Exchange. And they focus. So when we're talking about green bonds, we look at they follow green bond principles. Social bonds follow social bond principles. And sustainable bonds follow uh, both these principles. So as we go on, we'll come to know. This will give you a brief idea of how the market is developed. Last year, there are different uh, sizes. So in this size, it is $284 billion of what was released in the market in 2019, the issuance, or these issuance will keep on changing. Uh, last year, if you look, because there are different standards, but this is what the standard which is given by ICMA, and ICMA is, uh, the gives you, is basically the backer of all the standards in green, social, or sustainability development bonds. So this gives you a fair idea of how uh, the different markets came out with sustainable issues. Now we have seen that one of the highest rising segments is sustainable bonds, which grew by 248% over 2018. Now what is green finance or green bonds? So green finance is our projects which uh, are related to uh, climate action. They are basically uh, target two things and we'll understand this concept very clearly now. They either target climate mitigation which is reduction of carbon footprints. So let me again ask you, I think I'll just, after every three sites, I'll just check it up. So climate mitigation is reduction of foot, uh, carbon footprints. So it is basically a negative uh, externality, which we say, for example, if you smoke, you know, smoke causes a lot of carbon footprints, right? So one way of climate mitigation is to go for renewable energy sources, which is known as carbon mit uh, mitigation. When we are talking about uh, common adoption, we are adopting to the climate changes. One of the good examples will be reforestation. So when you're putting reforestation, you're actually, first of all, or let's say if, if you're uh, staying in a uh, place which is uh, susceptible to a lot of floods, then you're making a wall, you know, to at least get adjusted to that climate change. So this gives you a fair, fair idea. When we talk about green uh, finance, we are talking about green bonds and green loans. So there are uh, the green loans is a different standard which recently came in, which also targets basically different segments within the uh, green finance. And when I talk about green finance, they're very broad segments. It could be buildings, which is like better efficiency would lead to lower carbon footprints. So that is one of the segments, waste management. And we look in detail what this management is about. So first, to let you know, carbon uh, uh, London Stock Exchange was the first exchange to allow green bonds. Now, we have already looked at, look at green bond principles, green bond loans. 
loan principles, climate bond rates, and uh, this, a lot of, of these principles could also be country specific. To give you a fair idea, green bond principles means basically how to bring in more accountability and transparency, you know, where your proceeds are being used, you know, there are four principles and how you're going to be using or how you're going to be managing the uh, green finance. Now we'll talk about blue blue bonds are a very small subset. And basically, if you directly want to address marine ecosystem, you come out with blue bonds. So this is uh, to give you a fair idea, like I talked about out here, the 2009 market is a slightly above $300 billion. It depends on which sources. So out here, I've used DSZ Bank as a source. So that would uh, sort of change. Now, Climate Finance Bonds Initiative is the source which I've used here. This is one of the best sources if you're looking at their nonprofit and a major champion of climate finance. To give you a fair idea, green. Uh, the next, uh, the the. If you look at the site, the climate bonds issuance. If you look at it, you just want to show you that green bonds still are the major dominant players among this segment. However, that is changing, and because of COVID, I think social and uh, development uh, sustainability bonds should become major part now. So this is again to give you a perspective. How much was the issuance? So uh, in in uh, we look at in the green market segment. EU as a region is the largest, but if you look at the three countries, it's dominated by US, China, and France. So these uh, countries were the largest in terms in 2019, and they have been one of the uh, you know uh, largest issuer of these bonds uh, for some time. Now we talked about green bonds. So when you're talking about green bonds, we said what is used at. So just to give you a fair idea of 2019 breakup, among the $255 billion which was invested in green bonds, the proceeds were used as a majorly for buildings uh, and clean energy. Clean energy accounted for 31%. Buildings was 29%. Low uh, carbon transport was about 20%. So, uh, you know, water and then waste management, land use, and a lot of other uh, uh, themes. So this gives you a fair idea about what the proceeds were used for. And we look for the largest green bond issuers. So this gives you a very uh, good amount. The amount issued by Fannie Mae was about $22.8 billion. This gives you a fair idea of uh, what was the issuance and the number of deals by done by basically. So just to give you also a perspective and not make, so the, some of the big issuers are sovereign, which is countries like we talked about, but supranational, for example, multi-development banks or United Nations, which are, you know, which is across different uh, continents. So these are uh, the actually one of the biggest issuers of uh, sustainable or social bonds or, you know, different kinds of bonds, which we saw, you know, uh, in the first slide. What are social bonds when you're talking about? So social bonds are basically enable, develop, and implement new and existing projects which have a social positive outcome. They target a uh, population, and we talked about the target. They target marginalized people. They target underserved markets, which really need the uh, you know uh, help in the sustainable development sector. And these are some of the themes for it. Could be affordable basic health care. It could be access to basic services, affordable housing, you know, so these are microfinance is a major tool which has been used. A lot of people know Grameen Bank, you know, how it revolutionized uh, the finance uh, space. You have Kiva, which is doing a wonderful job. You have a lot of microfinance. Uh, to just give you perspective, India is one of the biggest markets in terms of uh, microfinance sectors. So just to give you an idea, affordable housing, you know, how to make it affordable for uh, elderly people or, you know, people below a uh, Poverty line of people uh, totally marginalized in the economy. So just to you know, give a fair examples, and they all follow social bond principles.
So social bond issuance now this is still 2018 figure although it was low social bond is like really come so last year was a very good year for social bonds and this year we have already seen especially because of the covid and are going to be coming into the markets now how social bonds has evolved over a period of time to give you a fair idea now when we talk about sgd bonds and sustainable bonds these are also part of sustainable finance sustainable bonds but they follow both the mandates so proceeds could be used to finance or co-finance a combination of green or social projects or they could follow green and social bond principles so they have a core mandate to either implement a both a positive and environmental impact or they could also so they so in this particular bonds they look at both the segments so if they look at uh, a green finance and they think green finance is undercutting a marginalized sector then they will not implement that project so it has to be in both the positive for both uh, environmental and uh, uh, social space now we come with this to an end with uh, sustainable bonds since the topics are huge we'll take a very quick overview of impact investment as an overview before we you know wrap up the investment so when we talk about impact investment we talked about the, this is one of the best ways to directly go to the underserved market it could be either for a positive social or environmental return and it also takes a, a financial return i've written along with it should be a financial return so basically if you look at it it's a overlap of social return and financial return is impact investment so if you look at uh, private equities or venture caps they go and invest in market however their pre uh, concern is to invest in companies for a economic return but when we are looking at social sector when we're looking at the same going into you know projects or companies which are in, directly targeting social sector then we are talking about impact investment now this is a new and very small segment it's roughly around 500 billion dollars but it is fast rising and over a period of time this would also play a very critical role so this also comes as a part of sustainable finance now when we talk about to wrap up we are going to be living in a new uh, normal and that is basically how the world is going to be evolving during the time of the covid and post the covid so one of the ways which which we will see going forward is social and sustainable bond is going to play a pivotal role they are already doing it uh, this year the issues were there i think uh, and the social bond and sustainable bonds and sustainable bonds would also like sgds bond will target both the social and climate change would play a huge role the green bonds are anyway are going to be uh, now there's a lot of consensus around the world and there's been a lot of focus on the green bonds so th these two bonds are going to play a major role we see role of sustainable bonds and impact investment critical but what we are going to be seeing specifically after uh, the eu implemented uh, uh, the teg group that there is going to be a taxonomy and there is going to be a stringent rules uh, coming out for uh, these bonds you know specifically the whole sustainable uh, bond segment so you could you know uh, send out your questions both for the first press, uh, first for pranav and myself uh, i think we have beyond our scheduled time nishant i think we should yeah. wrap this up right so thanks a lot i think i did see one question what is the size of the indian market uh, so that question is like you could see in the slide like we have a 2% share of 2019 so we had about 284 billion dollars about 1% will be 2.8 so about 6 billion dollars would be from india according to that slide so just to give you a total uh, size of the indian bond uh, sustainable bond market in india so just so i just did see one question 
And my sincere apologies. Uh, I'm not sure uh, why the you know some of the slides just went missing, but thank you. You're always welcome to share the you know your questions. You uh, welcome to uh, be in touch with Pranav, and you can reach out to me anytime for sustainable finance. And we we'll, thank you for joining. Thank you guys. Thank you for your patience, and thank you for being such a nice audience. We look forward to bring you more such information. Thank you so much. Take care and stay safe. Thank you. Stay safe. Yeah.